0: Morning everyone. Uh, the first Bible reading today is from Isaiah chapter sixty-five. Starting at verse seventeen, it's on page eleven sixty-six of the large print Bibles and five hundred and twenty of the small print in the seats there in front of you. Starting at chapter seventeen of sorry, starting at verse seventeen of chapter sixty-five, New Heavens and New Earth. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be In it, any infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of the tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: The New Testament reading this morning is uh, taken from 1 Peter. I'm reading from chapter 1. The uh, large print Bible is to be found on 1886. 1886. And the small print, I think, is 848. 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who? of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible And glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the messiah and the glories that would follow it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that now have been told you by those who preached the gospel to you by the holy by the holy spirit sent from heaven even angels long to look into these things this is the word of God. Thanks,
2: Oh, well, Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. You may have noticed I'm missing something this morning. Um, can't no, yeah, I'm missing my crutches. It's nice to be up and about. Uh, I've got, I have it, there's a security blanket sitting over there, but um, uh, it's nice to be up and about. Thank you so much to everybody who's been praying and supporting and encouraging. Uh, me and my family over the last uh, month or so. It's really great. Um, and it's great to have you here as we, uh, as we look at God's Word together. So let's pray and we'll look at the Bible. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your Word. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to read it together. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us now, as you often do. We pray that by your Spirit you would open our hearts uh, to hear what you have to say. Encourage us, strengthen us uh, for our walk with you, that we might serve you uh, till our dying day. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. I wonder if you've ever been felt like a stranger uh, somewhere. Maybe you've you've travelled somewhere and you've been uh, you've been somewhere you don't speak language, you don't know the place, and there's people going about their daily business, and you just feel like uh, you don't belong. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, some of you remember we Laura and I went to Russia. And uh, we were, had the privilege of spa- staying with some friends and it was really great to, um, uh, to get to know them and they were very kind and welcoming to us and all of that. Um, but despite how welcoming and how lovely they all were, uh, we still felt a bit kind of on the outer because, well, we didn't speak Russian and, you know, we, so we didn't understand their language, a lot of their culture we didn't understand. Um, they didn't really understand us. Um, they didn't understand my Australian accent, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so... Yeah, Yes, we, we kind of felt comfortable in some ways, but uh, despite all that, we still knew that we, were, we didn't belong there, um, that it wasn't our home. Uh, well, today we're starting a new series looking at the book of 1 Peter. And it was written, this book was written a long, long time ago uh, by a person in a very different country, a very different country, different place, in many ways a different culture. And so you may ask yourself, why on earth should we listen to a book like this? Why should we lit, listen to this book that's 2,000 years old? Uh, well, largely I think one of the reasons we are listening uh, to listen to this book is because it's written to people just like us. It's written to people just like you and me. Uh, and I say that for four reasons. I think there's four things in this in this uh, opening section that reminds us why this book is to people just like us. And the first one has to do with that feeling of being a stranger. You may have noticed in chapter 1 that uh, Peter says that he's writing to God's elect Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Galatia, uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. We're exiles. Later on in chapter 2, he calls us aliens and strangers. He says we're a bit like uh, refugees in some ways. Uh, They're the people he's writing to. Yes, they, they live there, but they don't belong there. And in many ways, that's what we're like, aren't we? In our world, yes, we were born here. Yes, we grew up here. We live day to day in the here and the now, in in what we see. Uh, But I don't know if you ever felt this way—that you just somehow you don't belong. Maybe you feel it uh, when you listen to the news, when you uh, when you watch the TV or listen to comedians or whatever it might be. uh, When you hear them talking about life, the meaning of life, or about morality or about God, and you hear them speak, and you think it just doesn't fit. This, this doesn't resonate with where I'm at because I, I know God and, and I know where life is heading. And people around me don't really think the same way. Have you ever felt that? The, the, the people in the world just don't, feel, don't think the same way about, about God and about the world. And so in that same way, we are aliens. We are strangers. Yes, we were born here. Yes, we belong here. We and We can make our, ourselves as comfortable as we like. But in the end, this isn't our home. We might live here for 60, 80, 100 years. But even that is a short amount of time when you compare it to eternity. So many people are spending their lives trying to make them, themselves comfortable in this short life that we have, this short breath. That we have on earth, not going to realise that there's an eternity after this, uh, and they're not prepared for that. But we know where we're going. We know that we have this, that we're moving towards. And so this life is really like a journey. It's a journey through to our, to our eternal future. We are strangers in this world. But although we are strangers, it's not as if we don't have a home, because he also says that we are, God, we are God's chosen ones that we are chosen by God to be in his family. Although we, don't, we may not belong here and that we feel on the, out, on the outer, we feel excluded, maybe we feel persecuted, whatever it might be, although we feel those things, it doesn't mean that we have no home. In fact, we have a real home with God, an eternal home with God. We are his precious possession, he will tell us in chapter 2. We are chosen by him and he lives in us by his Holy Spirit. Have a look in verse, uh, verse 2 where it says, We've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. God by his Spirit but through his Son has, has, has healed us. He's taken away our sin and he's changing us. God lives in us now. And so, yes, we may not feel at home here, but God is at home in us. We are so much at home with God that he lives with us each moment of every day. We have a family. We have a, we have a certain certainty of God with us. And we can see him in us as he changes us to be more like his son. Filling us with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, humility, gentleness, self-control. These are the kinds of things that God by his spirit is doing in us. These are the family traits that we have. So yes, we are strangers. Yes, we don't belong, but we actually do belong. We belong with God. But Peter's not just writing to these people as as strangers or as people chosen by God. The other thing that we have in in common with uh, with them is in verse 8. Verse 8, he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, even though we don't see him now, uh, you, f- you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Although we haven't seen God, we believe in him. I don't know if you ever feel like when you when you read the disciples the stories of the disciples walking and talking with Jesus when you even when you hear about the prophets when you hear about Paul uh, and you feel like we feel a bit ripped off you know like they spent time talking to the real flesh and blood Jesus and we've never seen Jesus we haven't seen him face to face all we've got is the message the, the 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 news about him and you know what that is exactly what they were like The people that Peter's writing to, they didn't live in Jerusalem. They didn't see Jesus' miracles. They didn't see him walk on water or healing the sick or or bringing people back from the dead. All they had were the stories. All they had was the message. And they put their trust in that message. And so just like us, they have to believe in God without seeing. Day to day, they live their life, I guess, perhaps maybe wondering, is God really there? They know they've heard the message and they put their trust in him. And as they do that, they, they're receiving what they believe, the salvation of their souls. So just like us, they're strangers. Just like us, they are part of God's family. Just like us, they uh, have not, haven't seen Jesus. But there's one other thing that makes them just like us. And that is, for them, sometimes life is hard. I wonder if you've ever had a difficulty in your life. I wonder if you've ever um, had suffering in any way, if you've had any kind of grief, any kind of sadness, any kind of illness. Life is hard sometimes, isn't it? And don't you hate it when people just talk about life and they they talk about the future or hope or whatever and they give you this kind of rose-coloured picture of the world. That everything in life is going to be rosy. If you just do this, everything will be fantastic. If you just believe, if you just believe in yourself or believe in God or whatever it might be, everything will be just perfect. You'll never have to struggle again. The problem is, life is hard. As you read through, uh, through this letter that, Paul, that Peter writes, we're going to see that Peter looks at life, with not with rose-coloured glasses, but with a very clear picture of the difficulty in our that we, the difficulties that we face. Look at the way he describes it in verse 6 and verse 7. He says, uh, if I can find it, where's it gone? Uh, in all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, so the proven genu- genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. He says, guys, I know what it's like to go through difficulties, through hard times. And so as you go through this letter, Peter is going to speak again and again about what life is like when it's difficult. How do you keep going? In a, um, in a year's time, just under a year's time, um, the clock ticked over a week or two back, um, it's going to be the, the Tokyo Olympics. Um, when life is difficult uh, in the Tokyo Olympics, well, as, as they prepare for those Olympics, what do they do? How do they keep going? Well, we need to hear what Peter's going to say to them. How will they keep going when life is difficult? How do you keep going uh, in the midst of uh, of great sickness, in the midst of great suffering? So this letter is written to you and to me to help us to stand firm in this. In chapter 5, verse 12, he says, I write this to you uh, to encourage you and testifying that this is the true grace of God so that you might stand fast in it. Peter's writing to people who are suffering so they can keep going. So if you've ever felt like you don't belong, if you've ever experienced the grace of God in your life, if you've ever uh, had the experience of suffering, if you've ever wondered where Jesus is because you've never seen him face to face, then this letter is for you. Although it was written a long, long time ago, it was written for people just like us. So if that's the case, if it is something that we really should listen to, what's it got to say? Well, there's lots, as we'll see in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a lot that it has to say. But there's just three things we're going to focus on today uh, about what he's going to say in this passage, and they're all to do with joy. Did you notice how much joy there is in this passage? It says, over and again, I want you to rejoice. Despite all these things, you rejoice. Uh, we, praise, we praise God for all the things that he's done. There's so many things that we can give thanks to God for in this passage. And the first one is, he says, There is an inheritance that is kept for us. Our world sees the here and the now, the things that we can taste and touch and feel. And when people look at our world, sometimes they see the suffering and the pain in our world and it can be overwhelming. That's why one of the, uh, one of the leading causes of death amongst our young people is suicide. Because they see our world and they see hopelessness. They see no future. But Peter says that we don't need to feel that way. Because we have a future. We have an inheritance that is kept for us. Let me read it to you in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Life is hard sometimes, but Peter wants us to remember that it's not all that there is. That we have a future, we have a hope, we have an eternity, an eternal home with our our Heavenly Father. Now how do you know that? Is this just kind of pie in the sky wishful thinking, you know, the kind of wish upon a star kind of thing? The kind of uh, let's hope against hope, looking at all the we look at all the facts, then we go, well, don't like those facts, so let's believe this anyway. Is that what the Christian faith is based on? Is that what our hope is based on? No. Our hope is a living hope. It's not a wishful hope, it's a living and active and real hope. Why? Have a look in verse 3. What is it that is the foundation of our hope? Our living, we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How do we know that we have a future? Because we understand the past. We understand what Jesus has done. We see that Christ came. He was a real person, flesh and blood. He died on a Roman cross and then three days later he came back to life again. Without it... Our hope is futile, is a waste of time, says the Apostle Paul. We have no inheritance. But because of, this, because of this fact from the past, we have a future. We have a certain future that is kept in heaven for us. Nothing can take it away. GFCs can destroy our superannuation. Um, sickness can take away our health and our fitness. But nothing can take away this inheritance. It's kept in heaven for you and me. And this, says says Peter, is a gift from God. It's from God's great mercy. It's not because we are any better than anyone else. No, it's because of God's great kindness. We totally rely on his goodness, his faithfulness, uh, his mercy. Which leads us to the second thing that we can uh, that we can hold on to, I think that we can give thanks and praise to God for, is that not only is this inheritance kept for us, but also we are kept for our inheritance. Have a look what he says in verse five or in verse four. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I wonder if you've ever worried. I wonder if I'll make it as a Christian. You know, I believe now, but will I, will I hold on? Will I be able to keep going? Because every now and then I feel doubt. Every now and then I wonder if it's all true. And sometimes some Christians live their lives full of worry and concern. But Peter wants us to know that we don't need to feel that way because we are protected. It's like one of this, the classic movies of all time, this one, um, Terminator 2. In Terminator 2, uh, Terminator is sent back from the future to protect John Connor. Okay, uh, And no matter what comes at him, he will be there to protect him. And God is like that for us. God will protect us. He will hold on to us. When we put our hope and our trust in him, it's not in someone that will let us go. And so when we have doubts, when we have fears, we can trust God in that. I know some Christians, uh, again, when they struggle with doubts, they, they think, this is wrong, I, should, I must be a, a worthless Christian if I, if I have doubts. Well, I would encourage you, if you do have doubts, to face them. Don't hide away from them, but to face them. In fact, sometimes God will work through our doubts to help us come to a point of, of deeper and richer faith, more mature faith and trust in him. God will protect us. God's power is with us. It's one of the reasons I think in verses 10 to 12, he talks about the prophets. Um, The prophets wrote hundreds of years before Jesus was born. The last prophet was about 450 years before Jesus was even born. And yet as you read through what they say, they speak of a coming king who is going to die, who is going to give his life for the salvation of all people. The Holy Spirit was speaking. Jesus is no flash in the pan, no kind of last minute thought by God. Oh, I better send my son. I don't have got anything else to do. No, God had been leading up to this and God had been speaking about these things. So when we doubt, when we fear, we can actually look back and you know, God's plan has been kept all the way. It was kept all the way through those hundreds of years leading up to Jesus. And God will not allow that plan to stop now. He will continue to bring his plans to fruition even in us. We can trust him. We can put our hope in what he, in him and what he has to say. So we can rejoice because of the the uh, the inheritance that's kept for us. We can rejoice because God will keep us, and one of the ways He will keep us is through difficulty. Putting our hope and our trust in Jesus is one of the things that make life, makes life livable in the here and now. I mentioned it earlier. The athletes training for the Olympic games. They, I'll give you little bit of a clue, I don't know if you realise this, at the opening ceremony next year, that will not be the first time they've thought about the games. They won't just go, I think I feel like competing in the 100 metres, and so they just turn up on the day. No, right now they are training. They are working their butts off to make themselves stronger, to make themselves faster, to, make themselves, uh, to give themselves more endurance. And they will be getting up at ridiculous hours, doing ridiculous amounts of running or or weights or swimming or whatever it might be, no matter what the weather. When when the alarm goes off in the morning, the last thing I want to do is get out from underneath the doona. What is it that makes them get up and go out into the cold, into the rain, whenever it rains, (laughs) if it ever rains? Um, What is it that gets them up in the morning to get them going, to help them to keep going through those hard times? The thing that keeps them going is this hope. The hope of maybe standing on a dais, maybe grabbing a medal. That is the thing that keeps them going. And it's like that for us, says Peter. God will work in us to keep us going. And so even though we suffer trials now, this hope will help us to keep going. In fact, it'll even give us joy. How can you have joy about bad things happening. That's weird. How on earth can you have, be filled with an inexpressible joy, he says, when bad things happen? Well, it's because you have an understanding of what life is really about. If life is all about me being comfortable, so making sure I've got the best home and the best car and all those kind of things and the best holidays, if life is all about me being comfortable, then when I'm uncomfortable, that's bad, right? Just makes sense. If life's all about being comfortable, take it away. And what's life about? It's been, the meaning of life's gone. But we understand that there is more to life than just the here and now, more than just the comforts of this world, that God is actually working in us now to, to prepare us for our eternity. He's making us more like Jesus. And so now, sometimes when bad, time, th- bad things happen to me, I actually know that, you know what, God could actually be using this. For me, for my, for my good, changing me, helping me to have a deeper, richer faith in him. Even through the hard times, I can keep going because I know that God is here and God will hold me until he returns and takes me home. So we can rejoice because we have an inheritance kept for us. We know that we will be kept for it and that now it makes life here and now more livable we can cope with the ups and the downs because we know where we're going. We know what our future holds. 1 Peter is a great book, um, a great letter. It's not very long. uh, So I encourage you this week, if you've never read through this, or even if you have, to to read through 1 Peter again. Maybe to look at and try and find all the expressions of joy, all the the expressions of the hope that we have. In fact, let's do a little exercise. Um, Some of you were given a, a, a... an outline of the talk you might have taken as you came in um, or perhaps you're just, you just got really good kind of spatial memory. You can do this in your head. Um, I want you to think about your life for a moment. Think about something in your life that is hard. Uh, maybe you've got um, a sickness in the family. Uh, maybe you've got trouble at work. Maybe there are relational problems. Maybe you've got tests coming up um, or whatever it might be. Uh, What's what's the difficulty in your life? Maybe there's a sickness, maybe there's an operation coming um, that you're worried about. I want you to think about those things for a moment. Now I want you to, if you can, as you as you picture those things in your mind, just take a step back from them. Take a step back from them and have a look at look beyond them at the future that is yours. The inheritance that is yours. How does that knowledge of where you're going impact? This situation? How can that help you to keep going? How can that give you strength? That that hope, that certain hope, that living hope, how can that help carry you through this time? Or perhaps, uh, how can this problem help me to become more like Jesus? How could God be at work even here for me? You see, the Christian life is a life where we might feel like strangers, it's a life where we might go through difficulty. God doesn't promise to just make everything, every road smooth and everything sweet. Life will sometimes be hard. But in the midst of that, we have these things to hold on to, don't we? We have this amazing inheritance, this amazing future, this amazing home, but also this amazing present. God is with us. God is in us, making us more like his son. Let me pray. I'll bring those things before God um, and commit them to him. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we do thank you for inviting us into your family, to inviting us to be, to be part of your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that now as we put our trust in you, we have this future hope, this certainty. We don't have to worry about what will happen because we know that you have that under control and you will keep it for us. Lord God, we want to pray for all of the things that people brought to mind a moment ago, um, the difficulties whatever the suffering was, um, the hardship, the, the stress. Lord, we bring them before you. We know they're difficult. We don't want to deny the difficulty, but, Lord, we pray that as we see how hard they are, that we might be able to see even beyond them, that we might see the hope that you have for us, uh, that they might be able to put those things into perspective. In fact, Lord, we ask that you might even use those things, hard as they are, uh, for your glory
1: and uh, for our good.